asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today, we're discussing buying a car the right way. Right, buddy. Transportation, that's one of those big expenses. We spend a lot of money on transportation every single year. But every few years, uh, hopefully not too much more often than that, <laughs> uh, folks are oftentimes faced with the very large purchase of a vehicle. And we're going to dedicate an entire episode towards buying a car the right way. Yeah. And well, I would say this. If you're buying a car every year, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Definitely, or definitely. You should be leasing if you're doing that. And we don't really recommend leasing. But if you need a new car every don't year do that or two, either. <laughs> at least that's probably the only situation in which that makes sense. And We're already off to a bad start. <laughs> <laughs> and you could do it the wrong way. There are ways to do it the wrong way. And leasing is kind of sort of the wrong way too. Exactly. But, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get into all our thoughts on that uh, in this episode episode. But Matt, before we get to that, I wanted to mention that there was a study that came out from UCLA and this they basically said that there isn't a lot of learning loss if you're watching videos or listening to content at 2x speed. And I thought you this was You want to say that again for all of our listeners listening at 2.5? <laughs> slow it down a little I'll bit. So. Slow it down <laughs> so you can understand me. <laughs> so I just want to Everybody that is listening to 2X is going to hear that and it's going to mess with their heads. Like, Wait, what did I just hear? <laughs> so I, I'm personally the kind of person who 
I, there's a lot of podcasts I enjoy listening to, and I don't quite have enough time to fit them all in. And if I want to fit most of them in, then I do have to listen at mm-hmm. a faster speed. And so depending on the podcast, I do listen at somewhere between like 1.7 and 2x speed. And it's good to know that. Like I, I, I will say, I don't think I'm getting quite as much. Uh, I'm, I don't think I'm retaining quite as much as I would if I was to listen yeah. at 1x. But also it's almost harder for me to listen to something at the normal speed these days. Oh, shut up. I almost need it to be like at least 1.2, or I'm like, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> Sounds like they're just talking way too slow. Exactly. Well, okay, so I'm going to call BS on this study because I, like you, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, we listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I want this to be true, right? Like, I want to read this study, this report, and say... There you go. See, like you can listen to something uh, at 2x speed and retain just as much information. But dude, come on. This is confirmation bias, right? <laughs> like this is something we want to be true. And so you come across a story. It looks like it's well researched uh, out there in UCLA. But if you search, like there's a lot of other studies too that point to the fact that, oh, in fact, it does reduce your ability to, to retain information. But like you said, I am okay with that. I think as long as folks are able to make the decision knowing the facts. And so if I know that I'm only going to be able to retain 80 or 90% of the information, but if that means I'm able to listen to twice as much stuff because I'm listening to it at 2x speed, then that's that's a trade-off, yeah. right? Like in all throughout life, we make trade-offs and this is one of those. And so if you are a high consumer of audio content, yeah, I, it, this is good news as long as you are aware of uh, the decisions you're making. Yeah, so I think maybe the ideal uh, range for people is somewhere between like 1.5 and 1.7 if you can handle it, if you want to listen at that speed. And the first time you hear it, you're like, who does this? It's It sounds almost garbled but once once you kind of get used to it yeah yeah it's yeah it's like building a muscle like your brain gets better at it and i will say sometimes i'll flip something on and by default it's on at like 1.5 and kate's like whoa 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 like (laughs) this sounds like it's on warp speed but over the years she has slowly kind of ramped up her ability to listen to something faster as well and she's she said specifically that if i listen to it first at kind of 1.2 she can then slowly ramp up Uh because you get used to the way somebody speaks to the way they talk and the other thing too, man, it depends on what you're listening to as well, right? Because if I'm listening to an, an audiobook, like a narrative, a story, two, even 2.5 is not difficult for me because it uh, it oftentimes depends on who's narrating, right? Yeah. But if it's a podcast and they're really diving into like very technical things and they're talking about the economy and the jobs report and just different things like that. Uh, so you slow that down yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you slow it down because there's a lot of technical information uh, that is more difficult to, you know, when you're jumping from one bit of information to the next, to the next, to the next, and none of them are really linked, it's difficult, I think, to, to follow along at a really rapid clip. Yeah. All right. Well, just blessings on you if you want to listen to How to Money uh, a little bit faster than 1x. That's totally cool. And a lot of the podcasting apps have made it so much easier to, to actually mm-hmm. do that. I know Google Podcasts, it's like, you can, you can go 1.6, 1.7, 1.8. Yeah, it, it literally only used to be like 1x, 1.5x, 2x. Yeah. And But now, yeah, a lot now of them do have in. all of those fine adjustments that you can go in there and Kind of like those uh, beer ratings on Untapped, you know? <laughs> it used to be like half a point, and now you can, I think you can dial it in pretty specifically. Oh, now. really? Although I don't really uh, post my beers there anymore, so. I tried to, but I, the last time I was on there, I thought it was still doing just quarter quarter of a point. Oh, I thought you could dial it in more than that. Maybe really? I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I really don't get on there very okay. often. So. All right, but let's uh, mention the beer that we're having on this episode this one is called pothole city it's a rocky road stout it's by pipeworks brewing and we'll let you know our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode but matt on to the topic at hand let's talk about buying a car the right way and or truck or van or truck yeah yeah exactly any of your transportation needs uh and some of the most important financial decisions that we make are done 
infrequently. And because of that, Matt, we, we feel like a little rusty every time we perform that task. Right. Even just doing your taxes, you're like, how do I how do I do this again? Yep. It's coming to be that time. Fortunately, there's software to help you out with that. Or, or if you take really someone good, that you pay. Or if you <laughs> take really good notes, that's what I do, is I kind of keep this document that I refer back to, and I just have everything listed out step by step. There you go. Makes it super quick. See? Quick, quick and easy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the average person buys a car one in every six years. And so that's plenty of time for most of us to completely forget how the process works yeah. by the next time we need to buy a car. It makes me think of traveling abroad these days. It's been a while for pretty much all of us. I know some folks have still been been traveling abroad, but there's the truth that there are a lot of countries that won't even allow us to visit their shores right now. And so there's a lot more questions we have when we're booking that trip. Do I need trip insurance? Uh, is the country I want to go to even accepting visitors from the U.S.? What sort of vac- vaccination documentation do I need? How early do I even need to get to the airport again? Those are the kind so, of questions. That's always a fun one to be like, how long does it take to, right, to get there? <laughs> to go through security and stuff like that. Like I've forgotten at this point. So we all need this refresher. And so that's kind of what this episode is. It's a refresher on buying a car the right way. And obviously part of that has to do with kind of what's currently happening in the car space. We've seen a lot of change. That's right. Yeah. In a similar way, the car market has experienced a lot of turmoil. So if you bought a a car six years ago, the way that you go about buying a car has changed significantly. We've seen a huge shift, uh, especially over the past 18 months in pricing and just different purchasing dynamics. Uh, A global pandemic led to a chip shortage. And then that chip shortage led to supply chain issues. All of the problems created a, a, a tighter car market, resulting in fewer cars on the lot and much, much higher prices. Edmonds is even predicting that the average price of a used car is going to surpass $30,000 this year. And that's right. I actually said used cars. <laughs> the average used car is going that's to be crazy. over 30K. Uh, that's a lot of money for a secondhand uh, form of transportation. And because so much is at stake here, it's crucial that you take the proper steps to make sure that you're going about things in the right way. Yeah, you don't want to buy a $30,000 lemon. (laughs) That's for sure. And so let's talk about kind of more of what's changed in recent years and how those shifts impact us as consumers if we're in the car market. Matt, you mentioned the average price of a used car is going to hit $30,000, which is true. I see that happening this year. But the the average price of a new car costs $47,000 now, which is a heck of a lot more, right? And on top of that, even fancier new cars are getting launched. For instance, like the the new Jeep Grand Wagoneer, it starts, the starting price is almost $90,000. So you can get that car or that ride up into six figures. And I'm sure it's nice. It's got the the perfectly coiffed interior and the fancy screen or something like that. uh, sound system. Yeah. Everything you could want. I'm sure it's lovely, but (laughs) (laughs) there's just so much more we have to think through as car prices expand and as fancier cars uh, are are put out there on the market. And there's just so much at stake, uh, so much of your money at stake with that next car purchase. And here's what you need to think about too. That 90000 could easily become a million dollars in 30 years if you left it to grow in the stock market. So there is this reality that where you allocate your money makes a big difference in your ability to build more wealth. And if more of your money is going towards the four wheels that you're riding around in, it's going to detract in a big way from your ability to build wealth the way you want. That's right. And why has it got to be four wheels, man? Why can't it be one of those uh, three-wheeled vehicles you see driving down The ones that kind of like Batmobiles? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've got like two wheels up front for steering but there's only like one like bigger wheel in the back uh-huh. i still don't understand the like why people get those but uh, they look kind of interesting there's a couple of those that we see driving around the neighborhood <laughs> but uh you know folks already know this as well but one of the other things that we've seen change uh over the years is that folks have gotten way more comfortable 
buying a used car, sight unseen, based on just uh, different pictures of the, the car on the internet, descriptions. Uh, I'm specifically thinking about Carvana, but CarMax as well. They, they both have led that charge and are the two big names in the used car buying market these days. GM, they just launched Car Bravo to be another competitor in the space. Uh, and, and they're not just selling GM vehicles as well. They're selling all types of vehicles. So generally speaking, we do like these sites. They've made it easier to shop online for a vehicle. And most of us are looking for some more convenience in our lives. They'll often deliver it to you, right? Carvana, they've got that seven-day uh, return policy. And CarMax, they've got that 30-day return policy. Uh, this gives you plenty of time to take it to the mechanic and know if you'll like it. Uh, but this is another reason we're talking about this because the way, just the actual mechanics of what it looks like to purchase a new vehicle has changed significantly. Yeah. Five years ago, buying a car on the internet was not really a thing. You're taking a risk. Yeah, exactly. Like it was a new thing. Like when, I mean, we purchased our uh, Honda Odyssey on CarMax like about I guess it was like four or five years ago. Yeah, now. that was kind of no. Towards the beginning, really. It was kind of like this lot. novel idea, and you and I were talking. <laughs> we're like, "Ooh, do we get to see it come down like the the car uh, vending, vending machine?" machine. <laughs> 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 like we're picturing it like two little kids. Like we're gonna watch a gumball like go down the spiral. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of their initial claim the to fame. Was that vending machine? Yeah. And now they have one literally like in the, on the downtown connector in Atlanta. I know they've built ones in other locations too as they've expanded nationwide. I always look at it. It is cool. Yeah, <laughs> but it is this new way of buying car and i guess not so new anymore yeah, but no. but it, it is one of those things where it's important to note that buying online is is really helpful i think in a lot of ways or, or at least searching online some of those sites has made the car buying used car buying process a little more transparent but in addition to those newer companies that have gotten pretty dominant in recent years uh, some of the older companies like craigslist and auto trader uh, even the just the classic for sale sign in the car window those are still legitimate ways to buy yeah. a car all those options are still around. And the great thing is that, unlike those other sites we mentioned, the price isn't fixed. Whereas like Carvana, you're not going to be able to negotiate or be like, can I get 1500 bucks off that price? And they're like, nope, the price is the price. <laughs> well, you can. They just stare at you. Like, that's right. Wait, what are you saying? When it's a private sale, you can haggle. And that's a beautiful thing. That that might sound awful to you, though. <laughs> I think, Matt, some people, they're like haggling. Uh, I don't want to interact with another human being. Exactly. Let me do what I want to do. And, and some people don't take joy in that. I personally do take joy. In that uh, I, I like to kind of negotiate the price, but some people find that to be appalling, and I get it. Uh, but yeah, you'll want to take extra precautions to stay safe if you're meeting private car sellers all over your town. We would say meeting in the parking lot of a police station is certainly one way to help keep yourself um, safer when you're buying a used car from an individual. But just remember, even with the advent of these online buying services, there are, you can still go the old school route. And sometimes that is actually going to save you the most money, in, in, in large part, Matt, because some of those online car buying sites, they don't really have many older models up for sale. Mm -hmm. So the starting price point is usually yep. $14,000, $15,000. And if you're looking for a car, a great used car in the five dollars to $15,000 range, you're not going to find that there. It's, yeah, it can be difficult. And honestly, that's what we found when we purchased our van. So we purchased it about, it about five years ago. Uh, and at the time, it was about five years old. And that was the oldest <laughs> Honda Odyssey that we could find. And for us, man, we were like, okay, this is used, but we were still paying a lot of money for a vehicle. That was something that we had to grapple with. And if we wanted to save more, we would have had to look at uh, the, a more traditional method of buying. That's uh, right. For a, lot of, for a lot of how to money listeners who, who do want to save a lot, they want to drive something that is older and cheaper. 
online shopping is is probably not going to get the job done. You're going to have to look to some of those more old yeah. school methods. You're going to have to look at something a little bit older than five years old. Yeah. Uh, one of the other changes we've seen too, man, like in the past several years, is that we've seen the number of electric vehicles on the road skyrocket. Uh, however, that being said, range anxiety, like that is still an issue when it comes to uh, electric vehicle adoption. But massive strides have already been made since the first EVs debuted. Uh, for instance, I saw that Mercedes, they just revealed this concept car uh, that they claim is going to have a range of 620 miles, which is awesome. That's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> that is comparable to what a typical combustion engine powered vehicle would be able to get. Yeah, on one fill up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like once automakers are, are able to hit the like the five to 700 mile range on a single charge, uh, mass adoption is likely going to occur. I truly believe that's what's kept folks from jumping on EVs even more yeah. uh, because you can't have this benefit. Right. So with a typical gasoline powered car, you can't have a car that where you could drive 600 miles if you wanted to without stopping and then take it away. I think for most people, that's what caused the anxiety. Like that's what caused the problems. However, like if in some bizarre world, if uh, gasoline powered cars only got like 200 or 300 miles per fill up, uh, there would be no hesitation, I think, when it came to folks switching over to EVs See, because I, that's what they would be used to. I, I will say, I think you're a little bit wrong on this because I think the average gas mm-hmm. car, when you. I want my miles, man. <laughs> well, no, but when you do the miles, you're not getting 500 miles before you fill up. You're getting maybe 325, 350. And so it's important to, to, to realize that that's probably. But here's the thing. No, so 30 miles per gallon on a 20 gallon take? That's not, 600 miles. You're not getting 30 miles a gallon on well, that Honda. Not, not on the Odyssey, but dude, a lot of people are. On, I mean, and not, not even to but mention a lot of those hybrids. tanks are then 15 miles. I'm just saying, like, like I think maybe let's say you're getting 350, but here's the thing: when you fill up at the gas station, it's much quicker than it is to charge, and that's part of the the slowdown sure. in adoption is because the charging still takes so long, and so that's why the the greater mileage I think is needed for uh, in order for people to adopt EVs in higher numbers. Totally, but I think even just like the idea, like the the fact that this was something that was available to people, even if they weren't taking advantage of it, or even if maybe on a, in a perfect world the mileage sheet says that you should be able to do this, to then take that away, people don't like things. Being taken away from them, right? And so, from a psychological standpoint, I think that that has been a major hurdle for folks as well. But there's good news, right? Because the median range of a new electric vehicle surpassed 250 miles last year, and that's plenty of range for the the way that most folks drive. And so, while EVs are typically more expensive up front, some of them still come with a, a federal tax credit, uh, and plus they're going to save you a solid chunk on gas and maintenance over time. And then on top of that, if a, a two to three year old EV makes sense for your family, uh, you can save even more by letting someone else take that depreciation hit. That's right, because those first three years of ownership where you see the biggest uh, depreciation hit come. And so, yeah, if you're opting for that slightly older electric vehicle, that might be the sweet spot for a lot of people, yeah. uh, as also, long as the range works for you. So do you, when we, we're talking about electric vehicles, do you say EV typically? Like, so the reason I, reason I ask this is because, so our oldest daughter, her name is Evie, and eight years ago <laughs> when we named her EVs, as electric vehicles as a popular term like that wasn't on our radar at yeah. all i mean electric vehicles existed but i think you just called them oh that's an electric car or something like that but we often refer to electric cars now as evs and i i feel like we'd name it's, it's like 10 years ago if somebody named their daughter siri or <laughs> or alexa yeah like it's probably pretty annoying right now yes uh, but yeah obviously i think people uh, EVs doing that aren't point. going to be nearly as ubiquitous in our uh language right well alexa. and at this point i'll share it like i oh, I, I drove and i'm EV sorry for, for everybody whose device is just activated i just realized you're not supposed to actually say those names <laughs> on podcasts anymore aren't you no i don't think so yeah sorry everybody well so i'll share that i i had an ev for a long time i bought a, a nissan leaf in 2014 
part of it was because of the tax tax credit that you mentioned, Matt, which helped you know plunge the price down in a big way. And uh, you know there weren't a lot of other folks at that period of time, almost ten years ago, willing to take that plunge into yeah. the electric vehicle market. And you're an, you're an early adopter. Yeah, well, and I get it. There was a big a big discrepancy in what you got then versus what you can get now. There, and so yeah, the range on my Leaf I think was something like eighty miles to the charge. That was on a warm day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, the conditions certainly affect like how many miles you're going to get out of it, right? And so it worked great for us as a two car family living in town, where yeah. my my job was you know five or six miles away from the house. But it, it I, I I get that it wasn't it didn't make sense for a lot of folks. But like you said, that's changed quite a bit. If the the average range on a new EV is 250 miles as of last year. That's a big jump for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. And, and it pushes that into the range of making sense. So I would say, yeah, with the added variety of electric vehicles that are on the market, yeah. the far superior yeah, battery range. a lot more options. There's just too. so many more, yeah, for, for, for people to consider. I think it makes sense and it's something that people should look into. Uh, also, keep an eye out for the first electric van that uh, oh, that rolls out. I'm looking for, well, that's supposed to be the, the Volkswagen well, you, van. Next yeah, year, you've been right? talking about the the ID bus or whatever for forever now. But we, you and I, we were recently talking about how Rivian they need to put oh. they, they need to create a, a van, a minivan on their you know RT whatever their Rivian truck is called. Uh, they need to build a sweet looking van on that truck platform, and that will be the first time that I am actually tempted to <laughs> <laughs> consider a new vehicle. But I'm probably still not going to do it, even yeah. if they do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and well, the, the other thing too, when you look at the numbers, and when we're talking about how much we're spending on a car, it's it's easy to look at just the sticker price. But really, we need to look at the total cost of ownership over a period of time. And the one uh, the one additional thing that electric vehicles have going for them is over you know, 10, 15 years, a much lower cost of ownership because uh, there's less to go wrong with those vehicles and you're not paying for gas fill-ups every week, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to make a big difference over time if you decide to go electric. But enough about electric vehicles. We have more to get to. There's a whole lot of stuff you need to think about before you even start browsing the internet for that new car. And we'll get to our thoughts on that right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. 
Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Back and we're talking about buying cars the right way, and uh, yeah, Joe, like you mentioned, we've got a lot more to talk about on the uh, the how-to front here. But it's also important to explain maybe a bit more about how we think about cars, uh, because we think of them mainly as point A to point B transportation uh, vehicles. That's true. So you know, people who think of their cars as their baby. They're going to come to a different conclusion about how much they should pay for a car. Yeah, the people who are putting the, the, the fake eyelashes on the headlights, <laughs> we don't do that. Yeah, we don't do that. Uh, or the, the antlers at, at Christmas. <laughs> uh, that's a different breed uh, of folks as well. But the pure and simple fact is that cars are liabilities. They're not assets. And so keep this in mind, that buying a car that's 7 to 10 years old, it won't just save you uh, quite a bit of money. We think that uh, it actually comes with some legitimate psychological benefits as well. Because, man, sometimes... Sometimes we think that a big purchase, like a new car, we think it's going to make us happy. But we're here to tell you that it won't. No one is judging you for the car that you drive, uh, or actually if they are, like that's their own problem. Don't let those social pressures cause you to overspend on something that you really actually don't care all that much about. Uh, being comfortable, driving an older car is a good thing. The ability for you to take that money that you're saving and put that towards retirement, that is a good thing. It's not necessarily that we want you to deny yourself. However, we do want you to focus on other goals that might be a bit more important. Yeah, man, I think you're right. And I think sometimes those societal pressures can cause us to make decisions with our money that don't align with our values or that don't align with our desires for what our life is going to look like. It's just kind of like, well, everybody else around me is doing this. And so 
maybe I should do it too. Mm-hmm. And and I think when we when we reconsider what a vehicle looks like or means to us in our lives, it can cause us actually to dig a little deeper and address what it is that's truly going to make us happy. Because yeah, it's not the car that's going to make us happy. It's right, other stuff. The new car scent doesn't last very long, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so why not cut straight to the chase and figure out that it's the things like close relationships, meaningful work that actually you know make us happy instead of taking a forty-seven thousand dollar detour, figuring those new car out, price, yeah, further yeah. down the road, or a thirty thousand dollar detour by spending the average amount on a used car. Mm-hmm. Plus, you and I, we kind of view crossing that two hundred thousand mile mark as a badge of honor. Like if you've been driving your car long enough that you've hit that you take some pride in in hitting that number or you should at yeah least. yeah and so and with car reliability being pretty great across the board these days even that threshold isn't a death sentence for your car personally matt i'm at uh 165,000 miles on homer Congrats. you're at what how many do you have uh i think a little over 120,000 on hal okay which are the names of uh, our vans by the way if folks are wondering listeners actually named our vans someone stuck with the h motif since we're talking about hondas uh hal is for the sci-fi robot homer is is for the uh, the Atlanta Braves mascot that likes to run around and mess with people <laughs> in the stands, and so that naming convention won the contest. That's right, yeah. And so I, I think really, you know, my car is a 2006. I think part of this is is we just need a mental reframe on you know when it comes to how we view our car. And it's okay for some people to be car obsessed and to say that's my craft beer equivalent, and I put more of my money there. But for most of us, for most of us, this is a place where we can save substantial amounts of money, enabling us to live the lives we actually want. Yeah, and I was thinking you mentioned how like it should be a badge of honor. Somebody should make like a bumper sticker with different mileage amounts on there, sort of like achievement badges. You know, like <laughs> if it's all about gamification and if we can find different ways to like mentally shift not only how you see your own vehicle, but how like the people around you see it, we should literally be wearing that as a badge of honor. And I'll- then as you progress in miles, you get to add like new stickers and uh, all of a sudden like instead of like thirteen point one <laughs> for like a half you know, twenty six point two, uh, I want it to be actually uh, miles that your car is currently on. There you go. We're, think, yeah, advertise it to everyone. I always like the bumper sticker that people would put on like a crummy old Toyota Camry or something that was like 20 years old and it said don't let this car fool you. My treasure is in heaven. And uh, it's just <laughs> ironic. I like that. Well, one of the other steps to buying a car that you must not skip is to ask yourself if you even need this car. We want you to assess your current situation. Just because you've always gotten a new ride uh, every four to six years That doesn't mean that you should continue the trend. We want you to ask yourself, can we get by as a one-car family? Like, what's the current and future state of working from home? What does that look like for you? Uh, Something like one in seven jobs are work from home now. Uh, And if you used to go into the office, but you don't anymore, it's worth questioning whether or not you actually need another car before you buy it. Yeah, you might be uh, all about the idea of replacing that car because it's getting too old. And then you're like, wait a second. I don't drive nearly as much as I used to. Wait a second. Our cars sit in the driveway 99% of the time anyway, and there's always at least one home. Uh, Maybe we only need one car. Exactly. And that is so true about cars is that they sit idle so much of the time, something like 96% of the time. Your car is not in use. And so, yeah, if you can figure out that extra 4% of the time, you can save a bundle. And yeah, there are other ways to get around besides cars. That's part of it too, Matt. And that's what we want to emphasize is cargo bikes. They're one of our favorite ways for for people to haul their stuff around, haul their kiddos around. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Go get groceries. Just get drop my kids off this morning at school on the bike, even though it was thirty-five degrees. Uh, we, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. And yeah, I stay healthy. Sometimes they'll complain, but we make a. It's an event. True. And what we're asking people to do is to look ahead and forecast their needs, not just get what they want. And 
Matt, you mentioned working from home, but I'm also thinking about size of the family here, right? If you're if you're thinking about growing your family, maybe adding a kiddo or two into the mix, then that motorcycle probably isn't going to cut it anymore, <laughs> or the two door Honda Civic. Like it just it's just not going to be the best purchase, you're and probably so not going to be able to get the kid out of the car seat uh, in the back of a two door. Yes, but it's possible. But, I know there are people listening right now who have done that. However, we tried that one time uh, in a friend's car, and it was extremely extremely difficult. <laughs> well, true, and and I think you know for other folks, let's say they've already got. A station wagon and they're about to to have, bring home their second kiddo well station wagon still works for a family of four totally so you might not necessarily need to upgrade these are the kind of questions you're going to want to ask before you actually start shopping is like do i need this do i have other alternate forms of transportation am i actually driving nearly as much as i used to like do we need to be a two-car family could we be a one-car family if you start to ask these questions you might find that your need or like the the need you thought you had for uh, to buy a new car goes away completely that's right. You might just discover that it was, in fact, a want. So you want to make sure that the car that you're buying you know, works for your family and your lifestyle, but you also want to make sure that it fits with your budget. And a, a good rule of thumb that we've come up with that makes sense to us is that if you combine your net worth with your annual salary and then you take 10% of that total, well, we feel that that is how much car that you should be able to afford. So, for example, let's say that you're in your 20s. Uh, maybe you've got $25,000 in student loans still, but you make $100,000 a year. So that gets you to $75,000, right? So you should be looking at a car that costs around $7,500. I think a lot of folks listening right now, they're not going to like this formula. <laughs> but we feel that this is a good practice. We think this is a good method, a good rule of thumb in order to spend less on vehicles, spend less on expenses that don't need to cost so much and instead funnel that money towards long-term investing. Mm -hmm. uh, so another example, maybe you're in your 30s. Let's say you've got some assets. You've got $100,000 in retirement. Maybe you make $150,000. Uh, and so for you, if that's your situation, that means you can afford a $25,000 car. I'm pretty sure we're going to get some pushback from a lot of people who have vehicles that cost more than maybe what this little formula would allow them to purchase. But again, we think that this is if you are able to sit down with some easy, simple back of the napkin math, uh, we think that this is going to get you within the range of what we think is financially responsible, especially as you are seeking to pursue something like some financial freedom or financial independence. Yeah, man, I've always liked to go even more stringent than this rule for myself, because my goals for my money are not to pour it into A to B transportation. So it, it all depends also on how you think about cars. That's and right. so for us, we're saying we don't prioritize it them all that heavily and you're listening to a podcast about personal finance so of course we are going to try to persuade you to think similarly to the way we think when it comes to your money and how more of your money should be going towards investing so that you can grow it not towards a depreciating asset totally and let's let's keep talking about like what you need to do when it comes to, to researching that certainly you need to research your budget how much you can afford but then you also need to look into the reliability of the car that you want that's one of those things that you want to assess before you start hitting up used car lots or scouring Craigslist. And so, yeah, does, does the car that you want actually tend to hold up over time? You've talked, Matt, many times on the podcast about your uh, the car you drove in college and how it was not very reliable and how it ended up costing you a lot of money because of that. So it's not just the sticker price of the car, but it's how much you're going to be putting into it along the way. Yeah, it's probably the least reliable vehicle uh, and most expensive <laughs> to have serviced. Yeah, and Consumer Reports <laughs> consistently ranks it as like one of the least reliable vehicles. We're, we're talking about, uh, I had an early 90s Land Rover Range Rover. Yes. So there you go. Yep. Yeah. And so if you, if you I'll be honest. A beautiful 
dope car. Yeah. However, if when you're looking at the money, it doesn't make any sense. They look great. They cost you a lot of money. Yeah. So, you know, we place a high importance on, on reliability as a metric when buying a used car. And some brands consistently perform better, but, but be sure to check into the specific year, make, and model because reliability varies over time. You might find that the 2009 model was not so great, but the 2011, they, they'd improved it quite a bit. And so you're just going to kind of want to dig into those details. Checking the reliability rankings can be helpful when it comes to ensuring that you're not buying, you know, a car that's going to present a lot of issues once it's yours. Like you're talking about maintenance costs, but that's something else that you want to factor in because that might be one of the reasons that you would prefer to go with a new car, right? You don't want to have to deal with the hassle or the cost of going to the mechanic. But the truth is that what you'll pay to maintain a used vehicle, if you've been savvy uh, as a consumer, it really isn't all that much. The average 10-year-old car costs just over $400 to maintain every single year. Uh, you're going to pay less in one year owning and driving a used car than just what one monthly payment would cost you on a new one. So keep that in mind. Oftentimes we overblow maintenance costs, but in reality, it is much, much less. That's right, Matt. I think we, we often overestimate the amount of money that we're going to spend fixing up the old car that we have. We're like, that's just going to be a money pit. But when you look at the numbers, that's just not true. That uh, a 10-year-old car is actually is going to cost you a whole lot less. And it's also actually going to be, for the most part, reliable. Obviously, you want to make sure that you find a used car that's more reliable than just the average one. But uh, let's let's also talk about how we feel about new cars. And I, I'm sure people can infer at this point that we're not big fans, that we don't usually push people in the direction of buying a new car. And we already talked about how pricey new cars are, how they're, they're so much more expensive than used ones. Although there are some cases when buying a new car isn't the worst thing that you could do. Actually, I wrote an article on our site about when it might make sense for some folks to buy a new car. And so if you're the kind of person who's up for keeping the same car for at least a decade, then I would say buying new isn't a terrible idea. If you're like, listen, I want to know what's wrong with it. I don't want to chance it to a, pre a previous owner. I want to make all these decisions for this car, but I'm going to own it for a long time. I think that's a different situation. And if you're in money year number seven, basically, yeah. if you've reached this point of financial independence, and I feel like this is a splurge that you can make, uh, you can afford to buy a new car at this point because it's basically it's a drop in the bu in the bucket compared to your overall net worth. And yeah, for, for most folks, though, we would say it's still a bad financial move. And it's an even worse financial move if you're looking to buy a new luxury car. And and that is because of like what you mentioned, Matt, with the, the rising EV adoption, you stand to lose even more money now buying especially a luxury gas-powered car because those are going to depreciate, I'm predicting, more quickly in yep. the coming years because there's going to be so many great luxury EVs that people are gravitating towards. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. I mean, and those are the ones that we're really seeing uh, stand out. Have you seen pictures of the the Lucid uh, sedan? Yeah, I think is pure awesomeness. <laughs> like so, it's all fancy. It looks so freaking cool. And you know, another thing too, like you can buy a nice used car, uh, and it doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg. Consumer Reports they always make a like these great lists of the best used cars to buy under a certain price point. Uh, and so we'll make sure to link to their uh, their list of uh, I think they've got a list of best used cars that's under ten thousand dollars. We'll make sure to put that in our show notes for this episode. But don't think that just because the average price of a used car is at thirty thousand dollars that you have to come even close to that number because you don't. 
Yeah, I think so. I think we we benchmark against that number. We're like, all right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go super cheap, and I'm gonna buy something that's twenty five thousand. It's like, no, you don't even have to do that. Or even, or even just like worse than that, right? Subscribing to the average and saying, all right, I guess you know we're gonna shoot for something around thirty thousand yeah. dollars. Maybe we'll even go a little bit above average because we're unique yeah. and <laughs> special. And we're treating ourselves <laughs> right. Well, I think yeah. Another question that comes up when people are buying a used car is, what about certified pre owned? Is that the best way to go? Does and I think a lot of people instantly assume that if it's a certified pre-owned vehicle that it's been taken care of so much better or it is of course it's worth the extra few thousand dollars that the dealership is trying to charge for that i mean they told me there was a a 1000 point inspection on that vehicle so it must be worth the price that they're asking oh for you we'll give yours the 10000 point inspection <laughs> <laughs> it's like what do these points mean right exactly doesn't mean anything anymore <laughs> <laughs> but we would say not all cpo designations are made the same like a different yeah. dealerships take a different tact towards what that means and like I was saying, you're going to pay a good bit more for any certified pre-owned vehicle. So if you're looking to find the best value, that's not the best route to take. Whether you go certified pre-owned or not, we still want you to have that car inspected by a mechanic that you trust. Because, yeah, we're not completely against certified pre-owned as a designation, but it's not a silver bullet for buying used cars. It's not like, all right, if I go in that direction, I'm not going to have any headaches. That is that is not the case. That's right. Uh, and so we've talked a lot. There's been a lot of lead up to actually buying a vehicle. But after the break, we're going to get to how you can actually make that purchase. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So, if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. 
It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop Mm -hmm. they were fresh out of the oven they had that perfectly flaky crust but guess what that serendipitous experience would never had happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel we had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town thanks to airbnb ah man i'm still dreaming about those meat pies you're making my (laughs) you're making me drool and while turning to airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, Matt, I feel like we've been long-winded thus far. There's been a lot to talk about when it comes to buying a car, but it is Talking about cars is fun. Yeah, it is. I, 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 I think it's fun. I think it is, too. I mean, <laughs> and I think that's oftentimes why folks end up spending a little bit more on their vehicles, because it's just something, you know, we say that, oh, it's just transportation from point A to point B. But it is. It's got this other thing wrapped up in it, right? Yeah. And it causes us oftentimes to spend more than we know we should. And, well, and we've all got non-negotiables when it comes to what we want in a car. And that is okay. It is okay to have some standards. Like for us, once we had our third kid, it was it was the, the uh, power sliding Automatic doors. Slot, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. We were like, we're not getting... But we were <laughs> able to find literally a $5,000 Honda Odyssey a couple of years ago that had that feature. And it had some other things that we weren't even expecting. We we're like, wow, they made them really nice in 2006. Like, <laughs> I was, I was shocked that they had that many features back then. But there have to be some things that you're willing to say no to in order to save money, that's right? right. Like, that's kind of life is a series of trade-offs. And yeah, if you want to be able to invest more of your money, well, then buying a cheaper vehicle is one way to help you do that. Uh, but enough about that. Let's start discussing how to go about buying. And let's uh, maybe start with talking about financing a car and our thoughts on that. Let's do it. All right. Well, that basically our advice is don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> and yeah, do you have any more points? <laughs> well, basically just that you know the, we've seen a massive amount of inflation in used car and new car prices. That those have been the leading edge of some of those inflationary numbers that we've been seeing. And in normal times, though, cars are a depreciating asset, and so we prefer for you not to finance something that's quickly going to depreciate in value. We would say save up, pay cash. Is it incredibly easy to save up 10 grand, 20 grand, or more even to buy that car you want? No, it's not easy, but it's the best move money-wise. And so not everyone agrees with this. I know some people think, well, what's the big deal of financing a vehicle? Well, we would say, yeah, well, you can always buy a solid used car in that five to $10,000 price range. And so we would say that's where you should opt instead if you don't have the cash on hand in order to buy the more expensive car that you really want. All right, so now that you know our stance, right, that we would prefer you to pay cash for a car 
please, please, please pay cash for your car. <laughs> Uh, but are, you, are you begging now? Yes, seriously. <laughs> uh, but, but the thing is, like, I know not everybody is going to listen to us. And so if you do decide that you don't want to listen to us, you're going to be you. And you are going to take out a loan. We want you to be smart about it. We don't want you to become a payment buyer where you are only focused on the amount that you're paying every single month uh, when you have to make that car payment. Yeah. So many, so many people, they focus on the the payment that they're going to pay, and they're willing to stretch out that car loan indefinitely, <laughs> essentially, to make that car payment uh, make sense for exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. We want you to keep the length of your car loan reasonable, like around 36 months, uh, because that would ensure that you aren't buying a car that you can't afford. Because, yeah, if you, if you do have to stretch that out to something like 72 months or even more in order to buy the car that you want, you need to go back to the drawing board and you need to pick another car, something that you can afford. If you don't do this, you are setting yourself up for potentially big financial problems. If you finance a car over a longer period of time, that's when you might end up owing more on the car than it's actually worth because it's been years since you actually purchased the dang thing. That's right. Then you get in an accident and you're you're underwater and that puts you in a bind financially. And so the other thing too is where you get financing matters, right? This could be the difference between an interest rate of like two and a half percent or 12% or even bigger. The gap could be even larger. And that's going to impact your monthly payment as well as the total amount that you pay in interest over the life of that loan. And so instead of just going to a, a lot, a used car lot and buying that car there and financing it as well, the, the best thing to do and the simplest thing to do is to check with your local credit union before you head out to go shopping. Get approved for a loan there before you start to look around for vehicles. Uh, but again, we would say skip all this hassle and just pay with cash. That is by far the best method. But if you are going to finance your car, make sure that you're getting that financing from a local credit union. That's where you're going to get the best rates. And that's going to yeah, save you money over time. But again, again, forget all that <laughs> and just pay cash. Pay cash. <laughs> uh, all right, let's keep moving. Let's say you found your car. It's adorable. Uh, and you can easily afford it. That's great, right? What is next is that you need to run a vehicle history report on a site like Carfax. You want to make sure that you are getting it checked out. Uh, that's going to tip you off to the history of the car. Uh, it's going to let you the previous ownership, any accidents that may have occurred. And then after that, you actually want to get it checked out by an independent mechanic before you purchase it. This is one of those instances where you got to do something, you know you should do it, but you're going to be so tempted to skip the step because it's going to require some extra legwork from you. If you're buying from CarMax or Carvana, you can go ahead and buy it because of that seven-day return window. That's something I was able to take advantage of when we purchased our Odyssey from Carvana I had plenty of time to go get that checked out at a Honda mechanic, and he was able to discover that that timing belt needed to be replaced, uh, and that was something that Carvana covered for me. So again, that's one of the advantages for uh, some of those big sites like that. But if you're buying from a private seller, this needs to be a condition of the sale. You need to have worked out ahead of time that you have the option or the ability to go and get this thing checked out. Uh, you know, the, the paint job might look sweet, but you want to make sure that you aren't buying a money pit. Yeah, for sure. I've done that many times, Matt, taking that car to my mechanic. And sometimes he's like, yep, looks great. You should buy this. And other times he's like, ooh, not so much. And I have to say, bye. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to purchase your car. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I think that makes sense in today's climate that's worth stressing when you want to find a good deal on a used car is that it might even make sense to fly somewhere uh, to buy the car that you want. That might sound strange. It's like, well, aren't there plenty of used cars right near where I live? Well, yeah, but it's similar to real estate, pricing dynamics fluctuate in different parts of the country. And supply chain issues might mean you've got to get on a plane to get what you want at the same time. But but even before the supply chain issues, Matt, I had a friend looking to buy, of course, a Honda Odyssey, <laughs> just, like, just like you and I drive. She found that the best deal was uh, on a van down in Orlando, Florida. And so she flew 
flew down, she bought it and drove it home. That small inconvenience saved her a couple thousand dollars. And so I would suggest to people expand your car search beyond the town that you live in if you want to save even more. You know, it's not it's not necessarily going to always be the best move for you, but especially if you can fly to a city where the the plane ticket is going to cost you 75 80 bucks and the gas on the way back is going to cost you another 100 bucks, but you can save 1500 on the price of the car, then that flight is going to make sense for you. That's right. And then you can binge listen to How to Money all the way home. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> at at 2x speed. <laughs> One other thing to mention, given the the pricing insanity in the car market these days, it just makes a lot of sense to hold off uh, as long as you can before upgrading your car if you've determined that you do need to replace it. Timing matters now more than it normally does because we believe that prices are going to come back down to earth, but the car market isn't going to, to get sorted out instantly, right? Yeah, it's going to take some overnight. time. And so if you can wait until either you know later this year, even wait until 2023, that is likely going to ensure that you aren't paying an inflated price due to the supply chain and, and chip issues that we mentioned earlier. That's right. And, and ultimately, when it comes down to it, Matt, we want How to Money listeners to build wealth. And it's not that we want you to drive the crummiest car that you absolutely hate. It's not punishment. Exactly. That <laughs> That is not what we want either. Like I, I really we, like my 2006 Honda Odyssey. We just want what's best for you, yeah. for future you, not for right now you. And going back to kind of what we said earlier, if you can reframe this choice and you can say, look, it's allowing me to live my life even more fully in these other areas because it's allowing me to reach that goal of financial independence even quicker. It's giving me greater choice in what I do with my day to day when it comes to my job. Like we would say wealth is the fancy car that you don't drive. And so, yeah. Yeah, if, I like yeah, that. If, if you want to build wealth. I've got fancy cars. They're parked in the garage of my Roth IRA. <laughs> <laughs> Those are future fancy cars that I could potentially buy, right? And so, yeah, you're listening to How to Money because you want help building wealth, not because you want to buy a the fanciest of the fancy cars. And some of our listeners do like cars more than others. And again, that's okay. Do your thing. You don't have to do it exactly the way we do it. But yeah, if you really want to build wealth, if that's you know one of your top tier goals, you'll be more willing to drive something that doesn't look as pristine. You'll be willing to forsake some of the those finest amenities or the fanciest new touchscreen in your car mm-hmm. in order to drive something that's going to help you reach that goal of financial independence more quickly. You might be able to recognize, just like I can, just like Matt can, that the new Rivians are the best looking truck ever made in this world and that you <laughs> absolutely really, really want one. One, but at the same time say, nope, not going to do it because my other goals are more important for the time being. That's right. One other thing real quick. The most popular cars for wealthy folks, this is according to the millionaire next door, are Toyotas and Hondas. <laughs> so Camrys and Honda Accords, like these are the top pick for folks who have a uh, million dollar net worth. The majority of those people aren't driving luxury vehicles. And so it comes down to the question, do you want to look rich or do you want to be rich? Uh, the car that you drive has a lot to do with that eventual outcome. And that's why we want you to buy cars the right way. Yeah, so hopefully that was helpful. And Matt, I think one of the things we mentioned before too is if you have an extra car sitting around, now's a great time to sell it. Now's a great time to actually maybe rethink if you're driving too nice of a car and you're like, man, Matt and Joel, they just they just kind of got, got under my skin and now I want to do something and, and maybe get rid of this car payment or find a way to drive something that's even cheaper. Well, selling one of your cars and becoming a one-car family or, or downgrading to something cheaper and taking that extra cash so that you can sock it away for your future. Now's a perfect time to do that. Take advantage kind of of the current market dynamics and save you some money. And actually, I just realized we did an entire episode dedicated to becoming a one-car family. <laughs> I just looked it up on my phone. 242. That's episode 242 if you want to be swayed even more to becoming a one-car family. Well, and we recorded that while I was while we were a two-car family and shortly thereafter. Oh, that's right. 
I took my own medicine. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and we became a one-car family. <laughs> and so hopefully, maybe this episode will help uh, push some people in that direction, too. All right. Let's quickly mention the beer that we enjoyed during this episode. You and I enjoyed a Pothole City, which is a Rocky Road Stout by Pipeworks Brewing Company out of Chicago, Illinois. What were your thoughts on this one, bud? All right. I'm going to say chocolatey, marshmallowy. It was a perfect oh, yeah. winter beer. Like, it's a, a good, deep, dark stout like this is... Very dark beer. Perfect for these, like, cold winter months. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, it was... Dude, it was super toasty and, like, roasty. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was totally picking up some of those marshmallow vibes, but it wasn't like the uh, the fresh out of the plastic bag marshmallow. <laughs> it was like a, like a dark brown, maybe two charred marshmallow, like like you're, getting, like you're doing some s'mores. Uh-huh. Like, it, it had, like, some of that... It bitterness. caught on fire for a minute. <laughs> You're like, oh shoot, and you like blow it out real quick. But it had some of those bitter notes going on. But it provides that balance when you ha- when you've got that malty sweetness going on. You need some of that roasty bitterness to kind of balance it out. Otherwise, you just have this pure dessert beer, which isn't always going to fly with folks. So I'm glad you and I got to enjoy this one, Pothole City by Pipeworks Brewing. No doubt. All right, Matt. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. For listeners who want show notes, links to some of the articles we mentioned in this episode, go to our website, howtomoney.com. You'll find them there. That's right, buddy. So until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.